it's always miserable for the first – it's just terrible. I think that's all across the board. I don't think that's just homeschool. I think in public school it's not wonderful to get kids back into a schedule either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. We just don't – we just don't see it because it's uh, – they're gone. And so we don't see how miserable it <laughs> well, is. Well, now when they get home, they're tired and ornery and all that. Right. But – we yeah we've had the last two weeks and then we've had something where we've just been exhausted. It's not like we have any other symptoms other than sheer exhaustion. At well, it's been. Parts. I think I, the reason I think it's a like a little bug going around is because Ari. Well, whenever Ari lays down like on her own volition and is like, "I'm so tired," I know that she's sick like right. instantly, and she would do that on and off again. And Lydia always acts like that, but I she kind of did that around the same time, and then. I felt that way, like I'd be going fine, and then all of a sudden feel like I got hit by a Mack truck and need to lay down, and then it would go yeah. away and happen again, and that's been all week on and off. I couldn't even make it through my gym class today. I had to leave like a loser. <laughs> Welcome to Shoot the Breeze, a series on a podcast that celebrates the messiness of life, relationships, and Christianity, featuring my wife Lacey and myself, Nathan. It's creatively titled because it will be just us shooting the breeze, uh, sometimes with guests, while occasionally saying something important. We hope you enjoy. I almost I almost died today. Did I you? mean I might be I'm probably being being a little dramatic. A little bit, okay. but I thought it was low blood sugar because I have diabetes. The Turns diabetes. out Dab, the diabetes. The diabetes. Who is that? Walter Brimley. Yeah. Uh, no, and it turns out it was like a heat, like heat exhaustion, which I've never experienced before living in Texas for four years, never experienced. And we get in the car, my friend, I had to end up, actually my friend volunteered himself, I didn't ask, to drive me home because I was that out of it. just kind of lying in the fetal position, crying a little bit, single tear rolling down <laughs> down your cheek. I'm not crying. I'm just, <laughs> what is that? I'm not crying. I'm just allergic to jerks. <laughs> um, no, so ended up, he had to drive me home. I tested my blood and it was lower, but it wasn't like uh, dangerous low. It was like a, it was like the healthy, healthy low. And, uh, but by the time we got in the car, I was in the car for five minutes AC blowing on me, drinking some water. Like, dude, I feel way better. And we pretty much both concluded that I'd had, like, some kind of heat thing. You are so annoying because when you are having a, like, uh, my dad calls them a sugar episode. When you're having a low blood sugar episode, you don't really tell me. I think I don't know if it's because you don't <laughs> want to or you're just too out of it. But we've had so many times where he's just kind of sat down. And you, you've gotten yourself something to eat, but you just kind of sat there. And your blood sugar's gotten down to, like, I don't know, 48, yeah, 47. Low. Yeah. Like, we're talking almost coma coma level. It's supposed to be, what would you say a good, good number is? Like 100? Good, so good, if you want to go with one number, 90. If you want to go, like, a range between 90, like, 80 for me, 80 and 120. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you've had all the way from, you know, like when you... 40. 40 to... Yeah. What were you when you got checked in a few years ago? Like 700 or 800? Or <laughs> yeah, it was... <laughs> anyway. It was bad. Yeah. It's like it's like the fun disease on top of the other disease. <laughs> I, it's like the bonus disease. It's like I spun the roulette and I got them all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, I wanted to actually ask you a few questions today. Right. Because you're always asking me the questions when I come in. But... 
that kind of brings me to the topic I want to address, which is writing a book. Okay. And with that in mind, I have a slight retraction. Oh. I need to come hat in hand and kind of... Um, what do you mean retraction? Of what I said earlier on a different podcast. Oh, what's that? My friend Shannon. Oh! <laughs> and <laughs> I was so confident... And to my other shame, I am the one mispronouncing their name for all these years. So it is Shannon Guerra, like the name Sarah, Shannon Guerra. And so I was wrong, way wrong. But she <laughs> she writes at Copperlight Woods, and um, it's really exciting. I am going to be having a little section in her her next Abide volume, I kind of talked about this before, um, that I'm going to be in, which is really fun for me because I've never yeah. had a um, part in a book before. We so. actually have some of their books on our bookshelf uh, on our website. Yeah. We actually have bookshelves at home. but <laughs> I was like, our, we have pretty our, much all of their books <laughs> on our bookshelf. <laughs> our website bookshelf. Yes. Recommended reads. Yes. However... And then However also you, to... you can put a link under this page so you can run right out mm -hmm. and read my part in the book and read yep. all of her books at the same time. Absolutely. But um, And then also I, I am currently working on writing my first book for Cultivate. I'm so excited. It should be done someday. <laughs> but And I'm really excited about it. But Nathan, I kind of want to talk to you about writing a book because you did. And you did the whole thing. Like, Beginning to end. And the middle. In the middle. And um, you got that done during the pandemic. I Yeah, I finalized. Which, I mean, it's kind of still, but during, I guess, the quarantine part of the pandemic, where we are all, like, in our homes yeah. for the majority of the time, part of the pandemic. This, when there was, like, I was going to say legitimate fear, but there's never been legitimate okay, fear. Anyway. Anyways. <laughs> um yeah, during the first part of the pandemic. The first part, yeah. During the 15 days to... What is it, 15 yeah, days Yeah, during the... <laughs> 15 days to lower the... A few hundred curve. days into the 15 days. But... Um, Two years. So you... You had had that book on your mind for a while, and yeah. you actually went through... And I remember this vividly. You went through a pretty intense surgery, time mm -hmm. of depression. Our marriage went through a really hard time, and you still hadn't finished that book, and you kind of decided at that point... I don't think I want to finish this book. Like, I right. don't know if I, I should even finish this book. And um, I kind of want to speak into that okay. entire process because I know that a lot of us feel like there are things, whether they be teachings or books. I think specifically we're talking about books right now because the process is so long to actually get a book done. Because I've been, I've been talking about writing a book for five years. Yeah, I have a friend who has been working on a devotional for the last decade. Yeah. So, you know, it it's one thing to say, man, I really have this inside of me and I believe that's legitimate. Mm -hmm. And it's another thing to actually get it done. Yeah. Wh whatever that end result looks like. I mean, you know when it's done. And I think with self-publishing, it's become so much easier to be obedient and just get it done. Um, what do you think at for you, your your struggles are definitely different than mine, but what do you think the biggest hang-up in getting it done was at that time? I think the biggest thing that I struggled with in getting it done was feeling like every <laughs> everything else that we've, that we've done 
has been failure. So this will be also, so I'm not going to do it. Mm. So you were kind of gauging whether or not it would be successful based on whether or not it's worthy to finish it. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah, That's a huge one. Yeah. Whether or not it matters. Right. If it doesn't matter, then I'm probably not going to do it. I would, I honestly, I would say that's the biggest reason I haven't done it. Yeah. Is because I feel like there's so many voices out there and who am I to add to that? Well, I mean, since publishing this book, I've probably stumbled upon no less than half a dozen other books dealing with the same subjects that I do. Uh, and I'm just like, oh, good. I added to the noise. That's right, nice. Right. And even <laughs> what's funny is any other book that I pick up that deals with the same subjects that, that we did um, either is the exact same information or, and I would say this is probably the case in the majority of the things that I've read, I feel like I've done a better job. I'm just not as, uh, and this sounds completely, I know this sounds arrogant, this sounds whatever the right word is, prideful. But yeah, I, I feel like I, the books I've read on similar subjects scra- just scratch the surface on either maybe an activation that has to be done or the root of maybe a, a theological viewpoint. They just scratch the surface, and I'm like, man, my book is so much deeper. It, ha- it covers so much more, like, breadth and width to this subject. And they have a book deal. That's fantastic. Like, that's how I – and so that played in – all of this played Kinda into – Kind of like the self-depreciation of – Well, just – it all played into the, okay, well, I'm not wh- – whatever. It's not going to be popular anyways. Now, I, even though it is published – I still struggle with that. Right. Right? Because it's like, oh, okay, they have a book deal. They're, <laughs> I always think they're a horrible person, not because of anything they've done, but like, oh, that's nice. It's either nepotism or it's. But I think the hard thing there is I know actually plenty of successful authors that actually got out of being published by a mm-hmm. recognizable publishing house because they actually enjoyed the self publishing process better or Mm -hmm. it was actually more um it was just better all around yeah um whether it be the um the process or the reward and so i think that that's a hard gauge well it's right it's all it is all perception right none of what i'm saying is is fact it's just my perception of things, right? So you have a son whose dad is a popular pastor, so he publishes a book. Boom, immediately he has 100 million sold or whatever, 5 billion. Million. You know, but it, but that's the thing is I feel that's it's all perception. I know God told me to write this book. He told me to publish this book. He specifically said finish it, you know, during the time that walking through a, a depression but again, you know, you still gauge, yeah, but I've only sold 250 copies or whatever it right. is, right? Whereas no-name guy is in Barnes & Noble and Walmart. And it's like, really? He that he has that book deal and I have better content, right? Like, right. it's that game that you always play. And so it, with the hesitancy to to publish, and I would... This probably speaks to anything that you feel like you're called to do or you have to do, right? Responsibility. 
I know for myself, it's just the question of, is it worth it? And it's not a matter of whether or not something is worth it, what you define as making it worth it, successful, whatever. It's, am I doing, am I simply doing what God has asked me to do? And if I am, then no, I don't have to put any more weight on myself. I'm doing what I'm, right. God's asked me well, to do. Well, and I think back to that other point we were talking about, just adding to the noise, you know, how we look at him like, well, there's so many books on the subject or they just published a book on the subject. And I think what I've had to shift my thinking in is two things. Number one is that when the Lord is moving corporately and his people in a certain way, it's actually confirmation Mm-hmm. If you hear that same word coming out of avenue, different avenues and you can be confident and be like, oh, no, this is exactly a word the Lord has for his people. So I think kind of switching that around and saying, wow, this is a message the Lord wants given rather than adding to the noise. And then with that, and in addition to that, is just thinking about all the people in your life that have been able to speak to you. Mm-hmm. And they have different voices. They have different experiences. And a lot of times I know different people in my life have said the same thing to me mm-hmm. in different times, in different ways. And I receive it differently, even though it's the same information, you know. And so oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like kind of being able to recognize um, I, what I've noticed is, OK, for an example, years ago, Joyce Meyer came out with this book called Battlefield of the Mind. Fantastic book. And I'm sure she's not the first one to address it. Right. And I know she wasn't the last. Just um, <clears throat> last year, Jenny Allen came out with a, a different book called Get mm-hmm. Out of Your Head. Both books, excellent. Mm-hmm. Both of them dealing with different subjects. But mm-hmm. as culture shifts too, you need different speakers that speak to that generation. Yeah. yeah. As well as... Um, so there's different time frames in there as well as different voices that are saying the same thing, but in different ways. And so I think when we look at ourselves and say, oh, wow, I'm just adding to this noise, we're disregarding um, the fact that God has our voice, people tuned into our voice, whether it be proximity to us, relationship to us, or just the way that we're able to communicate something that someone, right. else, someone else is able to communicate that way. Right. You yeah. know? Yeah, it's it's hard because it, I mean you you know this is reality. You know multiple people are going to be speaking on a subject, but you always think I'm the unique one, right? <laughs> well, I think I'm going to be. You want to be the yeah. unique one, you but know? it's like you look even throughout the four hundred plus years that I mean it was longer than that I think, but that the Old Testament was compiled and put together five hundred plus years. No. 400 years was between old and new. Yeah, it's like it was, a thousand. Sorry, I was it's like, like you're years. way, way, way off. No, it's like but a thousand years. I don't want to correct you, no, but thank wow, you. you're really off. No, 400 from old to new. Yeah. But it's like over a thousand years that the Old Testament was written. And you look at what a lot of the prophets are speaking of. I mean, all the way from Samuel, David's time, all the way to Malachi. Is that longer than that? Because, I mean, there's like 400 like said, years where the Egyptians were enslaved. You yeah, know? so and then like you have five. Like the captivity of Babylon, that's 50. 500 years gone just like that. And yeah, so like over the billion years that the Old Testament was, it, uh, <laughs> was it like 4,000 years? I don't, honey, I feel Yeah, like, how do it have been because of all the, like. I feel like yeah. that's something you need to get back to people with a number about, possibly. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah probably good as, as I was just telling you how smart I was. <laughs> so. <laughs> Anyways, don't commit to a number. <laughs> you look, 
You know what? Google it, okay, guys? <laughs> no, you look at what the themes of all of these prophets over hundreds of years, at least. Okay. I'll say that for the prophets, okay? Is they're all saying the same thing. They're all dealing with the same subject matter of, you know, Israel's idolatry and rebellion against God, and then you have to repent and turn back to God, and it's like the same subject matters. But again, you want to be the unique one, the unique well, prophet, I mean, even we were just talking about this the other day because I found a really cool old edition. It's like... Uh, um, a classic devotional called Streams in the Desert. Oh, guys, and... hold on. <laughs> hold on. This, if you, this, I'm going to put it up on our bookshelf at some point in time, but this, I'm not a devotional guy. I am not a uh, daily, day one of whatever. You're an Oswald fan. I'm not, like, nothing devotional ever has spoken to me. That's so untrue because you've written your own. You're, like, sending out all your own devotional stuff now. And yeah, you've I know. been in a devotional for years. Oh, I know. Wait, no, this is the this is the one that I've been doing. Well, you were in one before this, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, so <laughs> Streams in the Desert, if I could recommend one book for the rest of your life <laughs> outside of the Bible and the purpose-driven life, Streams in the Desert. Purpose-driven life, really? Yeah, it has That's to be. It's the, second, it's the second most sold book in the world other than the King James Bible. Okay. But yeah, so I found an old copy and we're not, I mean, they've updated it. I think in the last 20 years or so, they've come up with that updated edition, which I'm sure is great. But this is the old, uh, you know, one of the originally published versions and it has the old vernacular and everything. And so it's like, we're just really enjoying it. But at the same time, noticing like nothing that we're dealing with, the mindsets, the struggles, mm -mm. the circumstances, even if you have a modern spin on them, nothing is new. And people, you know, then struggled with the same things they struggle with now. And truth is truth, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I do believe that God calls different people out of generations to speak to those things in a unique way that speaks to that generation, but it doesn't change the information. Truth is truth, right? Mm. So the even the idea that I have something unique to say, that doesn't really go along with the idea of truth being truth, because even though I might be saying it culturally uniquely, doesn't mean the truth is any less right. true than it right. was 100 years ago. It's, it, yeah, it's speaking to where your culture is at, where your people are at, where your even your sphere of influence is at, right? Right. You know, recognize that your sphere of influence... There's only a handful of people that have a, a sphere of influence of thousands, you know, millions. Um, just recognizing, hey, where you're at, your sphere of influence is important. And what God is speaking to your sphere of influence is important. So, real quick. Um, according to zondervanacademic.com slash blog slash Old Testament. Nice. The Old Testament text comprised, or these texts that comprise of the Old Testament so are believed to have been written over a thousand year period, roughly spanning the mid second century uh, to the first, sorry, the mid second to the mid first millennial, millennium BC. So. Sum it up. About a thousand years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One source, 30 seconds. There we go. Listen, here's the deal is I actually didn't Google it. Apparently I binged it. And Bing is accurate. So whatever always, Bing says. Always. So back to, back to your book yes. and the writing process. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, just talking about what held you back a little bit from mm. wanting to finish it. 
once you hold on, I need to I need to put a preface as to why my temptation was so ridiculous. And I'm only saying this as an anecdote to why I believe it, it. It's across the board. I would say the same thing, right? The temptation is ridiculous not to do something God's asked you to do. OK, here is why it, it was ridiculous. The curriculum, the, the book comes out of a curriculum we had built over the four years of teaching at Alaska Bible Institute. The Christian Living Course, right? And just just to clarify, the book we're talking about is the Unlove book. It's Unlove, and yeah. go to our website; you can order it. Yes. Um, is we had seen over the course of four years, people's lives changed by the curriculum that we had developed. We put this curriculum together into these courses. These courses then became the chapters of Unlove. So it. The content had been proven. It had been proven. I knew it was going to change people's lives. But it wasn't going to change enough people's lives. That, that's the temptation, right? It, yeah, I know it's important, but it's not that important. But this goes f- across the board. It's like, no, God's plan is proven. Like, what he asks you to do, what he asks you to accomplish is a fantastic well, thing. And, and kind of the go along with that the story of which i'm sure there's people that are going to disagree with me but i love the shack i think it's an amazing book it's on our transformative for so many people and being able to receive the lord as loving in some of the most horrible circumstances in their life and the story behind that is that the guy that wrote it wrote it for his kids yeah it was a christmas i think and i might be wrong as far as what the gift was but i think if I'm right, it was a Christmas present for his kids. And Do you, you want know, me to bing it? No, I don't want you to bing Zondervan it. Zondervanacademics.com.org? No, I mean, people can research that if they want to. But the <laughs> point being that that book was only meant to be a little gift for his family. Yeah. And it turned into something that revolutionized people's ability to receive the love. I mean, you can speak to that. That was something really influential in your oh, life to yeah. be able to... I hated the book. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. This is one of the many resources we make available for free at our website, cultivaterelationships.com. Our resources have helped people grow in their relationship with God and others. Uh, We've seen people set free from uncontrollable anger and paralyzing fear. We've witnessed estranged family members be reunited after working through our freedom booklet. We've helped people build healthy relationship and coping habits through our coaching videos. And all of these resources are made available for free because of the generous support of people like you. If you would like to become a partner, please visit cultivaterelationships.com slash support. Now, I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. It was the worst theological book I'd ever read um, outside of uh, pagan Christianity. Um, Now. We don't get lost there. Come back. Okay. (laughs) Now, that was back when I had not dealt with my own heart. Um, and what's interesting is after, it, so there was this about five-year journey between me reading the book, dealing with heart issues, and then the movie came out. 
And so by this time, you know, soft Gucci heart Nate is like, you know what? I'm going to go to the theater. I'm probably going to cry. <laughs> so I'm going to sit by myself. Well, so I go to this theater and my whole family like shows up. Not my immediate family. It was like my in-laws, my, you know, my father-in-law, my sister, brothers-in-laws, like everyone surrounds me. And I'm like, crap, I'm going to bawl my eyes out <laughs> and I don't want anyone to see this. So that's the that's the reality, though, is the shack like dealing with my heart completely changed my view of <clears throat> the theology in the in the shack. Right. And you you look at, you know, people get hung up on the stupid theological things that he does in the book. But the reality is, is the same people got frustrated with Jesus and the theology and perspective he took on the Old Testament. Well, you know, but basically, it's not like, yeah, it's not cut and dry. Well, the the concept there, though, I mean, kind of the main point, what I'm getting at is that obedience yeah. is all that matters. Yeah. We don't get to determine the result of that obedience. Um, and Wait, wait. I still stand by my pagan Christianity comment, though. It's <laughs> I, a horribly researched okay. book. Okay, okay great. Um, <laughs> funny. Hopping. Sorry, it was just, I had to clear that Shaq, recommend Pagan Christianity. Hippity hoppity. (laughs) Only for entertainment purposes. So yeah, so being able to respond to the Lord in obedience and not weighing whether or not you value what's going to happen, you know, when you obey. I think that is something really important with um, just the concept of, of writing because, man, I, I, I love books. I love books. Like I'm a, kind of I'm a book addict and I look at all the authors out there and I love great authors and I've read really great authors. And then I read something I write and I'm like, Oh, hold on guys. Like, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> so I just read the introduction and first chapter to her book. That's coming. That's coming out soon. Um, <laughs> soon. soon. Guys, it is fantastic. And those of you who have read Lacey's writings, you know, it's fantastic. But I mean, put me up there with people that are like masters right i disagree i no. i and this isn't about like you specifically i genuinely believe some people get to the places they're at simply because of the connections they have there's preachers and pastors out there who have these but i'm not talking about preachers preachers and pastors i'm more no i'm talking about authors same thing it's the same thing it's all in the connections and the atmosphere, like the the sphere of influences that you're moving in. I think you're a better writer than some of the people I know you're thinking of. It's just you, you haven't had the sphere of influence. I don't know. I don't know, man. I struggle with that. Okay. I do because, yeah. Anyway, so being able to put yourself doubt aside and actually the, all of that, you know... Time, I think we spend talking ourselves out of something or oh, procrastinating yeah. or treating it like it's just going to happen. You know, I'll, I'll never forget years ago, um, I was listening to Mark Driscoll actually talk about writing and the process of writing and how, and it's so, <laughs> such a duh thing, right? But he's like, I have to make an appointment to go and write, just like I'm making an appointment with a person. And I can't just expect 
that it's going to happen and that the whim is going to happen and that the, you know, this force is going to come over me and I'm going to be able to get it done, whatever. It has to be planned. It has to be strategic and I have to just do it. And um, that is so obvious yet so profound, you know, and I think I watched you do that even in the pits of your depression where you barely could get out of bed. And um, you're probably, honestly, honey, the most disciplined person I know. Uh, I mean, and you've had to be to stay, I mean, honestly, be honest, to stay mm-hmm. alive, the man's had to be very, very disciplined with his uh, treatments. And, you know, it's like sometimes we'll go to something late at night or people will stay over and be really late and he's up doing his treatment, you know. <laughs> As Lacey and the girls are like, bye, going to bed. <laughs> But, I mean, you've always had to really just suck it up and get things done. And I think that served, that has really served you well because it's created a spirit of discipline within you. Mm-hmm. And being able to apply that to writing. Um, well, it because I do remember those times where I, I would be writing something down. And my heart, I believe it. I know this is true. I know I'm in a funk. I don't know how to get out of this funk. But in my brain, I'm like... Nope, this is all made up jibber jabber <laughs> stuff. But in like you're saying, in your heart, and that that it was funny because I mean I did finish it amidst some yeah, of the darkest did. times. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, for me, my biggest hang up is for me to sit down and write something else does not get done. And I have to be okay with that. In yeah. in because well, it's true of anyone, right? It's true. No, and yeah. I, I'm, but with you, yeah. it's different because you're able to get up in the morning. Yeah. Pack your bag. Well, and you're the one that's primary. Go to the right. office. You're the one that's the primary leave caregiver the of our. Behind. I know that is so. Do you nice. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> where I have to be like, fine. Yeah. Watch your movie. Yeah. Fine. Go to your friend's house. Well, it's like what you just you said know? the other day. You were like, you know what? I had the option of writing or I had the option of doing the dishes. I chose writing. Right. Okay. Like you, it is always making those compromises. And I, I say that in a positive way. You have to make compromises somewhere. You have to prioritize if it's writing, if it's whatever it is. You have to prioritize. And sometimes, yes, being with the girls, doing dishes, whatever it is, is more important. But then other times, in the harder times where you, you know, tend to justify not doing what you know God's asked you to do, is going, okay, I'm going to, yeah, I'm not going to, the girls are going to sit down and do homework. It's probably going to go horribly. Schoolwork. He likes to call schoolwork homework. I just, I've been working on him with it. Because we're home and we're working. But it and, is schoolwork. I know, schoolwork. Okay. Because we homeschool. Ari ranted at me the other yeah, day about that. because it's ridiculous. Um, so, but it is that, it's that compromise of, okay, right now I'm going to write and I'm just going to spend an hour writing, even though the, I have these other things that I could technically, that I technically need to get done. Right. Because, and you know, what's so funny is, and I'm not going to make any excuses for myself, but in this past year, it's been an extremely freeing year for me coming out of a lot of my health stuff. And along with that, the Lord has, um, (laughs) he's really put it on my heart to consistently work out, which I'm sure so many people already have in the bag, not a problem. But for me, for the longest time, it was so hard because my exhaustion was so bad all the time. And I just physically 
because yeah. I had like a bowling ball inside of me. I couldn't jump around a lot. False. It was a cantaloupe. <laughs> so being able to not only be physically well enough to do that, but yep. then start a habit, my mentality really started to shift to, I want this to be lifestyle, not just goal oriented. Mm-hmm. And with that, I gave grace to myself. Like, okay, today didn't work out because I was sick or whatever it was, but tomorrow it's going to happen. And um, it's this balance of discipline and grace so that it can become lifestyle. Because if you're too disciplined, and hear me out with this, you can become too disciplined to the point where you burn yourself out and you can become too... um, unmotivated where you are like, well, it's never going to happen. Why try anyway? And so for me personally, the, the action of being able to put a workout schedule into my life and have grace with me myself in it and just look at it as part of my life has given me the confidence to be like, okay, and I can do that with other things too and not be so bent out of shape if it doesn't happen. Like, I've been wanting to finish this project of mine for a long time, and I kind of would get overwhelmed by it and be like, throw my hands up in the air and be like, it's never going to happen. And so why even start? Why even try? Or um, give myself an unreasonable deadline. That's me all the time is give myself. I mean, I used to write these to-do lists, you know, and it'd be like, take the dog to the groomer and do the bills and teach school and finish my book and, you know, like really (laughs) rebuild a car from the tires up. (laughs) Yeah. That wasn't actually one, but that's the equivalent. See, and I know (laughs) it sounds ridiculous, ridiculous saying it, but sometimes in your head things make sense or you live by certain things because you're not actually being reasonable. You're not saying them out loud. So, The reason I keep bringing up not just a book, though, it is in every area of your life, whatever it is, God is asking, calling of you, asking of you to do, right? Because you and I both individually, you and me, friends of ours that we know, we all have these things that we, first of all, want to do, second of all, some things are, hey, I know God is asking me to do this thing. But we all have these areas of our life that we feel like we can't give up because they're important, but they are preventing us from doing this thing that God has asked, asked of us. What, what we want to do also. Right. I, I want to put both in there. Um, and this is why it's so important of you have to make compromises, right? Uh, so you have to give up what you perceive as, as, you know, important dealing with, you know, dishes or these other areas of your life that you, you mean what I consider time. important is my home running perfectly all the time. Yeah. That's what I'm always striving for, which is a ridiculous. No, no. So here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. We have friends who they're like, I know God's asking, you know, wanting me to do this. I know that he wants me to step out in this area, but my kids have sports or my family require my extended family requires this of us or Right. right. These areas of our life. That, yeah, some areas of our life take sacrifice. Meaning, 
laying them on the altar and killing them. So there are thi- not actual humans. I want to preface that, especially after last week's podcast. Um, what I mean is there's these areas of our life that we do have to lay down, right? And it, it's, it's recognizing maybe my family is too busy and we need to pull back and have some incredibly boring times at home so that we can all accomplish what God's asking us to accomplish. Um, maybe it is releasing, you know, really putting on the altar, killing this expectation that my home is going to run perfectly. Um, you know, right? Whatever it is, we all have these things that you have to release. We have to sacrifice. We have to lay on the altar and go, okay, God, this is yours. Right. I have to give this up so that I can accomplish what you're asking of me. Otherwise, all I am doing is getting frustrated, disappointed with what's not happening, with what's not with with what's not being fulfilled. And then it just now is another part of my to-do list. And I think you said it well the other day. We were talking about um Oh, we were talking about it was like it, it was like ministry and meetings and you know all of that where you know we how oftentimes we'll have people say, "Man, I know you're so busy if you have time and and part of it is, yeah, we have things that we're doing, you know, homeschool, uh coming up with ministry resources, being with our girls, but then other times we're not busy in the sense of doing, but we are busy, right we're resting. We're recouping. We're, you know, being with our alone with our family. We're not busy. We just aren't gonna take time to do something else. And it's it's recognizing that that sometimes we have to again. It's well, and you don't have to be busy, stacked to the point of exhaustion to say no to somebody. That's no. That's what I'm saying. Is sometimes we have to say no simply for the sake of our soul. In our mind, like there's things that you and I, and especially I would say within the last year, where we've said no to a lot of things, not because we have a reason, not m- meaning not because we don't have something else to do. It's because. Right. Well, it's no, that we assumption. Just... You, the only reason you won't do this thing is because you don't have the time to do it. And it's like, well, there's more than that. That is, there's more reasons to not do right. something other than I don't have the time. And I think that you need to give yourself that grace in your life because good is the enemy of the best, right? And if you're stacking your life with too many of the good, you miss you miss the best. So, and I'm saying all this, I'm ranting all of this right. is because whatever it is God's asked you asked you to do, he's not going to give you he's not going to give you more assignments than what you can accomplish. What he's going to do is give you assignments and see what you're willing to sacrifice. That's good, honey. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. he's going to give you, hey, here's what I want you to do. Yeah, but I have all of this other stuff. Yeah, I know. I've not asked you to do all of that other stuff. I'm asking you to do this thing. Yeah, but I have I know. appointments and, and, and I commitments. Think, you know, and, and, but real, realistically, you're like, hey, you guys want to eat tonight? You know, like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, you do look at that stuff and you're like, Hey, you know, you know, honest, whatever, you know, people are like, I, I was talking to someone the other day and they're like, I actually have to go to my job. And, you yeah. know, with that, yeah. it, it, the Lord knows that too.
it's these areas, because it's the same thing, right? I mean, we have this perfectly scheduled out meal plan that we hold to every moment of every day. Not true. This last week, we've like <laughs> tapped out on our meal well, plan. Well, I planned it. I planned the meal plan. I feel like I did... Half the job. No, not half. Meal planning is probably 80%. If I'm being real, <laughs> having what you need and planning the meals is 80%. Cooking yeah. them is like the other 20%. But the reality is both you and I have been like tapping out at like 5 o'clock this week. because oh, it's a stupid bug. Yeah. yeah. But the point is, it, yeah, that's exactly it. Is Yes, we have responsibilities. There's things that we cannot sacrifice. I'm not going to sacrifice my therapy for... Uh, for ministry, I'm not going to be able to do ministry that long, right? Like, there's going to be things in my life that I have to... Technically, you could counsel someone as you're doing your... your treatment. No, they're going to be... The whole time, they'll be like, your voice sounds funny. <laughs> like, that's funny. That's neat. And then we won't get anything done. Um, it would be... So there's things in our life. There's, like, these, these uh, you know, call them these, like, cemented things in our life, right? If you have a job that you have to go to to provide for your family, you have to go to that job. Um, but then there's other... This is what I'm saying is there's other No, areas. I'm just giving you a hard time. No, yeah. I know. I, I totally get what you're saying. And it is that idea of obedience and trusting God with the outcome. Let's right? Okay, great example of this, babe, is you and I... You and I deeply value our time that we spend at night together, right? Mm -hmm. You and me. Girls are in bed. It's you and me. But when I was finishing the book, how many of those nights did we have? Not very many. Mm -hmm. I had to finish the book. That's what I'm saying is it requires a sacrifice. At some point, and obviously we found connection in other areas and other times, but at some point it just comes down to I have to do what God's asking me to do right. in the season that God's asking me to do this. Now, if that season turned into a lifestyle, that that's dangerous. Our relationship would be and ended up being you know, at risk um, for other reasons. But that's the thing is if, if, if a season turns into a lifestyle, um, especially one that's taxing, right. right? We all have taxing seasons. We all have seasons of, of discouragement. We all have seasons, the low points, right? Um, but if that turns into a lifestyle, then that's unhealthy. Um, it, it's like, if you look at your, your schedule, you as like a hub is the Holy Spirit and the spokes that are coming off the hub are the responsibilities, the, the things that you have to do in the day. There's only so many spokes that can fit into the hub. And at some point, you have to start pulling spokes out to replace, to put something in that God's asking you to do, right? Um, I don't know if that was anywhere near a question that you had, but I answered it thoroughly. <laughs> No, I think it, it is good, and it's something to think about as far as obedience goes. Um, so we were, and I don't know, do we have enough time to get into this subject, or are we? We, have, we actually have so much time. Oh, do we? I feel like we've been talking forever. I know. <laughs> it's, it's hard because I can see the time, but. No, we're good. Okay, well... I'll just cut you off in the mid-sentence when we're done. <laughs> with that, I mean, um, I kind of want to hop back on to that thought process of obedience because I think sometimes we hesitate in obedience when there is a proven path or a certain uh, methodology that we feel like 
is common or familiar or socially acceptable. And so we feel like that is the path that we have to take and don't even bother to ask the Holy Spirit what he wants. And so, you know, you wrote this book on love Mm -hmm. and it deals with a lot of heart issues and you do not have a doctorate. Mm -mm. And um, I am a partner with you in ministry. Yes, you are. I do not have a doctorate. No. And both you and I... We actually don't even have bachelors. (laughs) We're going to get kicked out of Texas. You know what? (laughs) We didn't even go to college. We <laughs> I'm going to just run, like, go. Right. And. I was going to say, I was going to make a joke. You have a high school diploma. You have, like, we we have high school diplomas. That's and our. And we did go to Bible school. We did go to Bible school. Which was, which was different. An unaccredited one. Yes. And <laughs> you know what's so funny about that is um, that was. My, probably my biggest act of obedience in my life was not going to college. Isn't that funny? To give, hold on, to give perspective in, into what Lacey's saying is she was going to go into politics. She was going to go in to be the next president, first female well, president, I mean, no, something. I mean, I, no, you wanted to go into politics, right? I wanted to go into politics, you at had, least law, you had a something full, along those lines. You had a full ride to Hillsdale college. Yes. And right. You, okay. It's complicated. It wasn't a full ride in the sense of like, they called me up and were like, we need no, but you, you. Had but I of, had, I had a complete, because of scholarships, everything you right, had. I had it completely. I mean, I think yeah. within a thousand or $2,000 I had. But it the point is like for, the most prestigious conservative political college in the U.S. That's not in the U.S. Mm-mm. In the world? No, Universe. no, stop it. Galaxy. Stop it. You're making this too big of a deal. So it was, it is a small liberal arts college in Michigan. Their marketing is much better now. So you probably have heard of them. They actually right now have a free constitutional course for all your yeah. homeschoolers um, called 1776 that you can download. And they're making their lectures free because they're awesome. But um, <laughs> I had wanted to go to Hillsdale since yeah. I was. I don't know something ridiculous. Your like entire, ten and your ten entire years old. and your entire family, in terms of like grandmas, grandpas, I like did not go to Hillsdale. All educated. Yes, my my grandparents were in and the deeply, public education system. They all went to yep. Central Michigan. That was the, and deeply valued education and secondary, post secondary schooling and all of that. Yes, which so, I did too. I valued that. No, immensely. no, no, I don't. So to make, I'm kind of putting on the the mm-hmm. weight here of two. To listen to God and say, no, I'm walking away from that right. to pursue a, <laughs> a non-accredited Bible school in some podunk small town in a far-off land. Illinois? Alaska. Well, Illinois was before Alaska. Well, that is also... Which, if you want to hear about that, you can listen to our... Cultish. Cultish episode. <laughs> Good night. So none of these examples are fantastic. You know, uh, I, but I think that goes back to what I was saying about you have these things, and because they're so acceptable or you feel like they're so... Um, I'm making quotation marks in my fingers, mm-hmm. wise, we tend not to even ask the Lord about it. We just plow, a, plow ahead. Like, this is the only way. And I'm not saying that I have all the knowledge of somebody who has their doctorate or master's or bachelor's or whatever. 
But at the same time, I feel like the Lord has given me an educational plan and taken me through his educational plan. Hold on. I'm going to disagree with you here, and it's going to be incredibly controversial, and I'm okay with that. I disagree with your statement that you don't have the knowledge that someone who has a degree has. How many, serious question, we've had counselors come through the Cultivate program that we have and have said, because of this program, I'm now a better counselor. Like, these are things that, have, that people have said, and it's not because we're so fantastic. It's because God has anointed us with right. a gift. And, that, and, that's, and that's kind of what I'm getting to is that, because I don't want to discredit anybody from their work they've put into getting no, these degrees no, no, or no. even the people that God has called and said, you specifically need this. Because some fields, like I've told my girls, we've talked about this extensively, like to be a doctor you need to go get a doctorate. Like you yeah. need to be, to be a lawyer. Like there's certain yeah. things where it's non-negotiable. And um, I, we live in a state that's very, very, very pro-education yeah. to the point where one of my daughter's friends told her that it was a requirement to go to college. And it's not the, the kids were believing this 100%. And um, Thankfully, our daughter was like, uh, no, no, it's not. <laughs> not at all. But... Um, you know, and so I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking. No, I'm not saying at all. that. But what I'm be, I'm saying is that, you know, and guys, I have spent 20 years going back and forth in my mind about this. Like, was that the right decision? Not that, not that I doubt that I heard the Lord. I think it is because sometimes it's hard to stand up against wisdom worldly wisdom you, you the know? only times you've doubted whether or not you should have gotten a degree particularly in the field that we work in whether you want to call it self-help or counseling coaching. or whatever coaching um psychology whatever it is the only times you've doubted that is our lack of perceived success right maybe if we had the degrees people would you know be more inclined to use us or, Which, I mean, I think it's obvious. What? That, that statement. Having degrees opens doors for you. Yeah, no, I know. Okay. But that's not what God's called us to. I know. And I would say... Ah, never mind. That... Ah, um, oh, you made me lose track. Uh, well, and the second reason I would say for myself why yeah. I've doubted it... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. ...is because, I mean... I just get scared sometimes. Like if you kick off and go see Jesus, <laughs> you know, like. Would it be, hold on, would it be like one of those Enoch things or like Elijah? Would dead, I. Definitely dead. Oh, not like a chariot of fire? Come on. Sorry. But um, <laughs> just that fear that I should have made better arrangements. But sure. it's like I think back in that time of my life. And I know that I know that I know they made the right decision. Right, right. And does that mean that, you know, people will say to me, well, that you could still go back to school. I know that. I'm not, I don't know what the Lord has for me in the future. And I'm not discrediting any kind of schooling. I love learning. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot get enough of learning. I'm actually really need to stop myself from taking in inform- information <laughs> because I become like overly 
Here's um, yeah, hold on. Engaged I feel like, in it. Right. I feel like you you're having to preface things that we're not even really saying. We're not saying education is not important. We're not saying that continued education, learning, having a inquisitive mind, being curious about things, all of those but, things uh, but I mean, are important. I think though that I don't want people to <clears throat> shut down because of what our own story is. Sure. I also though don't want people to rush out to get uh you know, going to hundreds of thousand dollars worth of no, debt. I don't think that's going to happen. Because God's no asking like them to go No one's like veering their car off the highway right now. Don't run. To <laughs> <laughs> I got to go get no. a degree. No, but no. right that we, we've seen that happen where people are massively in debt to schools that really God never called them into. And they like, that's the that's They just the felt other called side. in a certain direction and thought yeah. this is what I need to do to get there. That's the other side right. of this conversation is... Is, you know, we have great friends who God has asked them to get multiple doctorates, all of this. But then also we are personally in a field that most people appreciate degrees in and we don't have it. But we have been incredibly blessed with a ministry that has helped loads of people deal with stuff. And And I felt the Lord tell me very specifically, and this was for me personally, I have brought you through my uh, educational plan that I have been the one to lead you through um, places of learning, places of growth, places of breakthrough to be able to lead other people through that. And and I know that I know that is, that is true. Right. And so um, for me personally, it would not be, uh, I, I would not feel released to go out and get a degree. It would be an act of me trying to control and me yeah. trying to be self-sufficient. Well, and there's been times you and I have, you know, started Googling school, started looking up, right. you know, degree programs for counseling or for coaching or for, you know, whatever field we're in. Um, and both, like, you and I look at each other and we're like, oh, we're not supposed to be doing this, right? right? Like we both kind of had that gut feeling of, okay, we are now stepping out of God's sovereign plan for our life by doing this. And a lot of our education, uh, our, a lot of our knowledge has come from experience. A lot of our wisdom has come from God. And it's that mixture that God uses both experience and his own spirit that really you see the anointing in people's lives. Like I look at the people that I, you know, the the people I look up to most is often that experience coupled with the Holy Spirit. And and you see this throughout the Bible. You see this in Moses' life, David's life, uh, David's life, uh, uh, you know, Saul's life with, and I would say that that was an educational program coupled with the Holy Spirit um, but you see this in people's lives that when you, whether it's a Moses who was a shepherd for years and coupled with the Holy Spirit or a, a Paul sl- uh, slash Saul who went to the most prestigious university of Pharisees back in the day, but then coupled with the Holy Spirit. So that's what I, that's what we're saying is basically being led by the Holy Spirit. Right, not having an excuse as to why you can't listen mm-hmm. to the Lord. I think yeah. that's the biggest thing yeah. for me is not having an excuse um, as to why you can't listen to the Lord. And that was, I mean, that was one of the reasons I loved mm-hmm. uh, when we worked with ABI, Alaska Bible Institute up in Homer, is because they 
were set up to accept families. So they had a campus where people, if they felt called to go to Bible school, they could bring their whole family at any point in their life. And just, I don't know. I think that, and that's not traditional, right? You don't bring your whole family with you to school. Um, They have a fantastic park. They just remodeled their apartments. They're a great school to go to. I (laughs) I like it when we can sit there and we can trust the Lord for what he's leading us into and not let barriers um, stop us, you know? Um, and by barriers, I want to re, I want to re a synonym, a Christian synonym. I have a reason why I can't do that. Mm. There's a reason right now that it's not a good time for me. I have a, the, uh, you know, we're just in a busy season of our life and, you know, our kids are doing this. We're involved in this. It's uh, just not a good time for me right now. I know what God's asked of me, but, you know, I have a few things financially that I want to put into place and then I can, then I'll be freed up to do that thing. Mm. Uh, you know, God's, you know, called that me. That right there, to pause on that, I personally have watched somebody say that yeah. and end up walking away from the Lord after a season. Yep. And and so that, to me, I think should ride, red flag Whenever, you know, a little bit. Let me, let me just dig down into this a little bit further if there is anything you need permission from to obey god's calling on your life that is an idol ultimately it's demonic and you will not follow god's calling right i mean that's a quote from eric johnson he says anything you have to ask permission from in order to obey god that is an idol Yep. Yeah. So if it's finances, well, I need to have my finances. I need to have permission for my finances to be in a place that I'm secure. Then I can follow God's call in my life. Finances are your God, not God. Um, and so that, that's a huge one I know for us that, man, we, we've done some crazy things uh, because we felt like God asking us to do it. Um, yeah, and, and sometimes, you know, in, in terms of what other people may view or perceive your choices and decisions, you know, some of them might be, you know, Nate and I see that's not a wise thing to do. Okay, but we're going to... We are know, in complete agreement with you. Yeah, we agree. <laughs> we're not disagreeing with that statement, but we're also, you know what, we're going to default to trusting what God's asked us to do. And you know what, even if it's a utter failure... I'm believing we were doing it, trusting God's voice. Well, and it's I'm kind okay of like, with that. It's kind of like giving, right? If you feel the yeah. prompting of the Lord to give, I've always landed on, it's better to do it and maybe you're wrong and God's still going to catch you rather than you don't do it. Yeah. You know, and, and then how you're God like, catches you, And how God catches you more than likely will not be how you want him to catch you. So. <laughs> what do you mean? Because like, I meant like God catches you like in safety. Yeah. No, no, no. I know. Oh, I, I agree. Oh, okay. But it, I okay. Even if I fail, I already have expectations as to how God will right. redeem that. Right. And even those expectations may not be how God redeems it. <laughs> um. So, anyways, did you have any other questions about <laughs> writing? We that was that was a long bunny rabbit trail off of that. No, no, no. You said you wanted to talk about education, so I just wrapped it into. Oh wow! Hey, good job, babe. Did you not even realize that the whole time we're talking about? Yeah, it? no, I realized. I saw what you're doing. Did I you? Because I yeah. feel like you're just coming into the. <laughs> no, coming into the room. I didn't. I wanted to circle back. To what? 
to you were want, you started oh, off oh, with to books the back, and writing. Back to the book. Okay. Yeah. I was circling back. You need back. to work on your segues. You need to not be so judgmental <laughs> about my segues. Um. You know what a dream I've always had of? What? Is owning a segue. Gosh, they're so bad. Ari has a hoverboard. You can just use her hoverboard. I do. And it's fantastic. <laughs> she's I like She's like a magical unicorn on that hoverboard. She'll just like hover around the kitchen and... Her and I will take it to the church and have so much fun just, like, zooming up and down the hallways. <laughs> we'll play tag. And the person who, like, we'll switch off who's it or who's who's the, uh, the tagger. And we'll depend, like, yeah, who's the hover. Anyways, Christmas present for anyone interested. I would appreciate a hoverboard, hoverboard so that I could play with my daughter more. Interesting. <laughs> Weird. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, babe. This has been a fun podcast. I have no idea what the theme or topic should be. Obedience? Ooh, see. Why was that hard? This is why I married you is for your brains. <laughs> My non-degreed brains. Amongst other things. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, thank you so much for talking and asking me questions. Yeah, for sure. I'm usually like between interviewing guests and you. I feel like I've been the question asker. You have been. I love it, but this has been nice because I haven't had to prepare anything. <laughs> Good. Good. Oh, guys. Well, thank you for joining us. I'm going to yeah. bring this train into the station because Nathan's meandering around the field a little bit. So <laughs> we appreciate you gonna... joining us. And if you haven't had a chance to read his book on love, it is available online on amazon and also through our website and we yeah. i am sure that if you got that it would really bless you um has a lot of a lot of stories like if you're wondering a lot about our our own story man yeah a lot of the over half the book is just our story you know things that we've gone through anecdotal things to to kick off some of the theological points or or uh ideas so yeah please feel free to to look it up CultivateRelationships.com slash resources. You'll be able to find it there. Amazon. Don't search Amazon for unlove. A lot of crazy stuff comes up. Just go to our website. Yeah, it's basically anything with love in the title. Okay, so just here's the directions. CultivateRelationships.com slash resources. That's what you want. That's what you want. You'll find it there. You'll find a link. All of the safe, protective things will not... Nothing... Bad will come into your eye eye sockets. So, wow. Okay. Thank you so much. Goodbye.